Theater Theory Podcast. I'm Nick, and I'm here with my friend Zach. Hello, everybody. Today, uh, we've got a very special episode with a lot of user-created content. Earlier this week, I put out a request for designs for commanders that would open up new archetypes, and, and you guys responded with a ton of designs. Thank you for everyone who submitted a design. Unfortunately, we've got so many yeah. that we're <laughs> not going to be able to touch on all of them today. But thank you for everyone who did submit. And if this kind of content is something that you guys are interested in, let us know. And we can definitely do more episodes like this in the future. Definitely. Where you all submit your ideas and then we'll go through and pull out the ones that we think contribute to the format. Yeah, I also want to say if there's any people from R&D listening to this podcast to you should probably stop listening because we're going to talk about like actual card designs. And so please, Maro, turn off the podcast right now. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go ahead and get started. This first card comes to us from I Make the Card on Tumblr. It looks at like an attempt at Night Tribal. So it is Geharis Oathbound, two white black for a 2-2 legendary zombie knight. It has Vigilance, First Strike, and Menace. And when Geharis attacks, return a knight card from your graveyard to the battlefield attacking. It's a black zombie in addition to its other colors and types. Yeah, th I mean, this is kind of the juice that, like, knights would need. The white and black knight legend together also kind of fueling itself using your graveyard. So, like, if you get Wrath, you can rebuild. Yeah, I think that Ariel Knight of Windgrace from Dominaria had a couple problems. The reward scaled off the number of knights you had. Yeah. So it was really emphasizing like knight tokens and cheap knights so you can flood the board with them. Whereas this one is like more aligned with the kind of knights that you would want to play in Commander. Yeah. Think knights with like powerful ETB triggers that are maybe a little bit more expensive but give you a lot more bang for your buck. Some of the knights we were looking at that you might potentially run in a deck like this would be things like Dakmore Lancer. It's a six-drop knight that, when it enters the battlefield, destroy target non-black creature. There's also stuff like Lena, Selfless Champion, who not only makes a bunch of soldiers when she enters the battlefield, but also Lena can sacrifice herself to protect some of your other creatures, uh, including, notably, Geharis himself. Those are some other knights that you'd want to run in this deck. Yeah, I really like the Champion of Dusk from Rivals of Ixalan. You draw X cards and lose X life, or that's the vampires you control, but there are a fair number of vampires, but even if you're just getting a 4-4 four four for free that draws you a card off of like an attack trigger, that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. I like Thalia's Lancers. Yeah, that's super awesome. That's a really strong one in this deck. Allows you to find some of the other strong legendary knights. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think you might also want to run like some sack outlets in this mm -hmm. deck so that you can continually reuse your best knights. Yeah. Maybe things like Attrition or Mind Slash. Like looking through knights too, I always forget that certain cards are knights. So And like the Monarch cards, I forgot there was that Knight Monarch card, Knights mm -hmm. of the Black Rose. That's always hilarious. I know there's a lot of people who are fans of that, so kind of slots right in. Overall, what do you think of this design and the, the deck it builds? Do you think it adds something to the format? Yeah, I actually do. I think that just keeping it small but like hard to block was a good way to do that. So like you're you're going to get to play with the knights that you reanimate as opposed to like just a really efficient beater. But I think that it just opens up this play out of your graveyard knight deck that really doesn't exist. We really just need a knight commander that is fun to play. <laughs> 
I think this does a great job addressing the flaws of Ariel. It, it's almost as if this designer worked backwards because mm-hmm. that's usually my process when I'm designing mm-hmm. commanders is like you look at all the knights and you're like, okay, these are like the 10 or 15 knights that I really want to play with. And then what kind of commander do I need to incentivize this? It feels like maybe that's what happened. Like they saw, okay, there's a couple sweet knights with ETB triggers. How can I work backward from there and get it so that I'm rewarding you for playing those cards? Yeah. Great, great job. I make the card. I, I know that I make the card has a bunch of designs on their blog. So go ahead and check it out. I make the card.tumblr.com. Next We've got two designs coming from two different designers, but they're in a similar vein. These are both manifest commanders. So I'm going to read out one, and we'll talk about it for a bit, and then we'll go on to the other and then compare and contrast them yeah. a little bit. This one comes from Stormcrow Legend, Jonah Wild Trickster. Blue, red, green, so three mana for a 3-3 legendary Seder Rogue. Whenever a creature you control is turned face up, you may pay one. If you do, manifest the top card of your library. It also has one turn target creature you control with morph face down and morph for two and a blue. So there's a lot going on here. Yeah. It seems to be both a morph commander and a bit of a manifest commander. What do do you think about this card? You've played with a lot of morph decks in the past. Yes, people who know me know I love morph a lot. This is an interesting design. I would say that this isn't actually like a morph deck. Like if you throw a bunch of creatures with morph into this deck, you're not actually going to get the most fun experience or the most value out of this. I would say that you are going to end up playing like some of the best creatures with morph and then just some good creatures that I I think uh, you did a little bit of research on this than like maybe manipulate your library a little bit more and i think if you try to optimize it playing a little bit differently than just a straight morph commander because one of the things that morph needs is a discount morph has three generic on top of the other thing so if you're spending four a turn like you want to with jonah here then you're gonna kind of find yourself in a mana deficit unless you just half your deck is like ramp like you're just trying to ramp really really hard but that said i really like this design Mm -hmm. (laughs) i really think this is really cool um I remember you had some some things that you thought about it that were really cool. I, I also agree with you that I think that this is going to eat up a ton of your mana. And I think that generally legendary creatures with expensive activated abilities tend not to do that well as commanders. Yeah. Because then you are just doing the commanders thing and then you don't get to play your other cards. Mm-hmm. So that that is a downside to this design. And I, I think it's great that this designer put it in green because there yeah. are so many things in green that can uh, help you set up the top card of your library and especially set it up so it's a creature. Yeah. So there's Sylvan Tutor, Worldly Tutor, Monvuli Beast Tracker, yeah, Brutalizer Exarch. Yeah. Because you're in red, you get four run of the Empire. You can put big old Dino on top. That's pretty great. And of course, there's other things like Miri's Guile, Sylvan Library, Scroll Rack, mm-hmm. Brainstorm, yes. uh, Ponder, those other ways to, Classics. to set up a really good manifest trigger. The other design that's in a similar vein, it's less morph-focused and more manifest-focused. This is Nuvia, Renegade Mystic. So this is two red-green for a 4-4 legendary human shaman. Whenever one or more creatures you control attack, manifest the top card of your library tapped and attacking. And you can pay one red-green to put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. You may turn it face up. I like that you spend four and you immediately get some payoff for it. Because in the abstract, just a random 2-2, like a, a goofier token... 
you don't really want to be spending too much mana on. And this does that really well. Like the fact that this doesn't have to attack to do that is a really great way to design that. And then I actually really love that activated ability because there are a ton of morphs, especially like in red and green, that are expensive but fun. And what this does is it opens up this subset of red and green morphs that are more or less unplayable mm -hmm. and put them into this deck and not only just have them be fun, but have them be good at the same time. That's a good commander, I think. Like, a commander that lets you play with a subset of new cards that you wouldn't have been able to play with. Like, that's what we talk about all the time. So I think this, like, really does accomplish that goal. I like how you pointed out what the play pattern is going to be with this card. Mm -hmm. How you'll probably have a creature on the battlefield in turns one through three. And then turn four, you cast this guy, attack with your other creature, immediately get some value. Yeah. You kind of don't need to be sneaky with Nuvia, the red-green one. Like, you, you don't really care if your opponent knows that it's mono red Chroma on top, because you're going to hit them with yeah, her no matter what. Because it's coming in immediately. Yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely like that about Nuvia. It's so much faster to get what you want out of her. Mm -hmm. Turn four, you get a thing. Turn five, you set it up, you swing, you get it immediately yeah. attacking. Whereas, like... With Jonah, you're kind of spending all your mana every turn to get this manifest, and if you're using like a tutor to set it up, there's still that lag time. You know. I, I do like, though, that one thing with Jonah that's some sweet tech to like fill a board really quick is those uh, cons creatures where you reveal a card as the morph cost, because mm. that turns every one mana you have... Well, I guess it's two mana and a, reveal a green, blue, or red card in your hand to make a morph every turn. That's great tech. Which is actually pretty cool. So you can fill up a board pretty quickly that way, too. I really like also that Nuvia, the 4-4 that triggers the beginning of combat, sorry. With Nuvia, I like that she can help you cheat on the more expensive morph costs. Yeah. Like, I've always wanted to play a deck where I can play something like Crozen Cloud Scraper or Crozen Colossus. Yeah. And just surprise somebody with, like, 9 to 13 damage out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> so Nuvia makes it really easy by giving you that ability on the card to flip up something huge like that. Yeah. The only note I would have is because those big creatures, most of the ones that were printed um, don't have any kind of evasion. Yeah, so you'd need to figure that out. It'd be nice if maybe the ability, instead of giving things a counter, like gave them trample or something yeah because like i would assume that a lot of the creatures are going to play with her are already going to be pretty fat mm -hmm. so like turning a six six into a seven seven is good but not as good as giving it trample or menace or something yeah. like that all right so this next design comes to us again from i make the card it is yerig witch queen white blue black for a 2-4 legendary hag wizard lord <laughs> yerig has curse spells you cast cost Wooberg less to cast, so white, blue, black, red, green. This effect reduces only the amount of colored mana you pay. And then whenever you cast a curse spell, you may draw a card. Like we've kind of talked about, people want to be able to make a curse commander. And I really like how this card gets around just being a flat out like five color commander in cost by putting in that mana reduction in the text box. So all of a sudden you have the color identity that you kind of need as a curse commander just because there aren't that many curses mm -hmm. in print without being super technical or wordy just like here's straight mana reduction and then here's a reward for casting your curses yeah we did a quick search earlier there's only 28 curse cards in magic 
unfortunately not all of those are commander playable yeah. so in terms of like actually filling out a deck you've got like maybe 10 to maybe 12 10. if you're really stretching maybe 14 there's not too many curses to work with right now even though the archetype is very popular a couple small notes i love the the hag creature type happy yes. to see that show up minus one point for using lord which is no longer a supported creature yeah type. it's sad do you think that this card adequately supports the curse archetype so i i like as much as i like the cost reduction which is like an, an interesting way to support curses i don't like the payoff because there are so few curses and because the curses that exist are kind of so scattered in what they do do mm -hmm. just drawing a card to randomly get another curse probably isn't something that you really are actively trying to do with a curse deck as much as i do like the sneaky way to get a wooberg curse commander in there i think that just having cheaper curses doesn't push this over the edge to be like as playable as it maybe would want to be five color you've got a lot of good stuff to contend with yeah 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 you've got five colors of just like strong format staples that are competing with your curses yeah. and so if you're not doing a good enough job of rewarding people for playing curses then your curses are going to get crowded out in yeah. favor of like oh so i can just run all the best spot removal and all the best counter spells and all the best card draw and mm -hmm. all the best ramp yeah and and then, yeah, here you go. And then maybe put Overwhelming Splendor in here. Because that's what I think that if you were to optimize this list, I think it would end up being like five color control with seven good curses. Mm -hmm. Something like that. So you put the Rule of Law curse on someone. You mm -hmm. put Overwhelming Splendor on someone. You put Double Damage on someone. And then you just keep doing five color control yeah. stuff. So I think that's kind of what this is going to tend to with a reward like just draw a card. So we actually have another Curse Commander that was submitted to us. This one came from Follower of Liliana. Garaz Cabal Tormentor. It is Grixis, so blue, black, red, for a 1-4 legendary human wizard. Garaz has Death Touch and has You may cast spells from your graveyard as long as they target cursed opponents. Permanence and or spells those players control. If a non-aura card cast this way would be put into a graveyard, exile it instead. This is an interesting take on curses. Mm -hmm. yeah. it's, it's less about like run as many curses as possible and more like just get them cursed and once they're cursed, you're good. You can do other things. Yeah. It's just a binary state as opposed to get more and more curses to get more and more value. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is a very interesting way. I actually really do like this as an archetype, the fact that you are looking for your curses. And in this case, like you probably do want to run the curse that deals like one damage or the curse that mills them to on their upkeep or something like the really really cheap curses mm -hmm. so that you can turn on your commander and start going to town mm -hmm. i think it kind of gives you this really interesting hoop to jump through there's a lot of effects that don't scale very well to commander because you're starting with double life total yeah or like twice as many cards in your library yeah but maybe this could lead to a powerful mill deck or something because if you're for example like putting a fraying sanity on somebody or a curse yeah. of the bloody tome or a curse of echoes your traumatize or your glimpse the unthinkable or whatever like starts to to matter a lot more the same could be said maybe for like direct damage effects i think that the non-aura clause in this also is very fun because like let's say you do mill someone out and kill them 
all of a sudden the auras fall off the auras fall off but you can kind of recycle them Mm -hmm. so i like that that is a thing like looking at like the downside of curses being that they go away when the player dies it's almost a shame that this card doesn't have white in its color identity because like it would be so fun to be like okay overwhelming splendor you and then I curse of death's hold you, so your creatures just never do anything yeah. and die immediately as soon as you cast them. And then like they're gonna quit or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it's like now you get to experience the fun. Yeah. As much as I like this design, it is kind of sad not to play white, just because like the two white curses that are playable are like really good, mm-hmm. <laughs> are very good. So I think it's a problem with curses. They just spread them out so hard across the colors. They didn't like localize the power level in any one or two colors, really. I guess if we're going to compare this to the other commander, this list is going to be a lot more interesting looking than the other commander. Just This one cleverly gets around the issue of there's not really enough good curses to play. Yeah, yeah. You only need to have one, and then from there you can do the rest of your thing. And then also, like, because the reward it gives you isn't just draw a card, the reward tells you how you should be building your deck. Yeah, yeah. So the reward is telling you, like, you need all these, like, other targeted effects that can hose your opponents, Mm -hmm. and that's the, the benefit you're getting out of playing with these curses. So it's the deck that this builds into, even though it is, like, three color and you've got three colors of good stuff to build with, I'm sure you could fill out 60 main deck cards with things to support just what this guy wants you to do. Yeah, exactly. I definitely feel that. And that being said, I, I do like the angle that the other one came at this with with the the esper hag in 10 years when we've seen a few more curses this might actually be a fun deck because all of a sudden you might have more curses to play with but at this point in time just the fact that this deck kind of builds around existing curses and the existing curses are not good enough for commander a lot of the time yeah that, that's kind of where this card falls off is that the curses that exist are not in a place where they will carry a game for you i think the like ideal curse commander would use elements of both of these definitely want to work in that hag creature type very important yeah that's very important if you can get white into the color identity that's another thing from yerig that would help out this design yeah and then this like cursed wording the direction for the deck i Mm -hmm. like that i think that's also an important element to get in there both of these hit on something that a curse commander really would need and i am very very fond of the direction i I like when the commander gives you that direction so that you can build something that like you've never done before which this is definitely doing all right we have more designs to compare and contrast we'll start with Ondo Grim Jester, and this comes from Stormcrow Legend. Ondo is two and a black for a 2-3 legendary zombie wizard. It has, at the beginning of your upkeep, Surveil X, where X is the number of permanents you own that your opponents control. Then reveal the top card of your library and put that card into your hand. You lose life equal to its converted mana cost. And then it has an activated ability, pay hybrid blue-red, Target opponent gains control of target permanent you control. This is really cool Evil Zedru. I like that it's way cheaper. I think that the Surveil reward is really interesting. Because mm-hmm. really the thing with Zedru is you like you were drawing cards and gaining life to like pad your life as people tried to kill you mm-hmm. <laughs> to get rid of the Zer's weirding or whatever was going on. I like the Surveil theme. 
But the bob trigger is the fact that you lose life equal to its cost. Because I think you're going to get hammered on if you make this deck. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, so you just cast a demonic pact, a eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hmm, demonic, okay. Let's see where you're going with this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to reserve judgment. <laughs> yeah, yeah my initial thought would be that if you sat down at a table with this commander, the first time you give someone a mortal coil, the one where if you have no cards in your graveyard, they lose... They're going to kill you as fast as possible. So, like, you have to go, like, a Mortal Coil donate Bajuka Bog. Otherwise, you're going to be hammered on. Mm-hmm. Someone is going to come at you for blood. That being said, I do like this. I think this card does a lot of things right that, like, a Grixis Zedger would need to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's my initial take. No, I definitely love how cheap Ondo is to cast and especially to activate. Yeah. Having to pay seven mana to play and activate Zedru, it just killed it. Like, it yeah. just made it so it's so impossible to ever, like, get Zedru down, keep it alive long enough to, like, play something heinous, donate it. It's just so much mana. It was a lot. Mana. And also color investment. That's, like, the one of the things I really like about this card is that it's just hybrid red-blue. It's just one black in the CMC. Yeah. Zedru being, like, red-blue-white, red-blue-white. Like, that's a lot <laughs> to yeah. ask. You gotta have perfect mana to, to really make that go off yeah and of course adding black to the color identity as opposed to white like aside from transcendence there's almost nothing (laughs) that will kill you for having it in white yeah whereas that's a huge chunk of black's color pie there's probably more black cards with you lose the game in the text (laughs) than any other color yeah the coolest thing you could do with white and zedger was just give people the o-rings that you put their things under Mm -hmm. you're like o-ring your thing here's your o-ring and they're like, oh, cool. And then you drew a Thanks. card. Yeah, so it's not like the most interesting play pattern. But yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff that he can give away. Yeah, all of the liches is the first one. Like just every single lich variant, including a mortal coil, mm-hmm. can kill them. <laughs> yeah, Forbidden Crypt, that's another yeah, sweet one. That's pretty red. Demonic Pact, can't yeah. wait to give that away. I would be very excited to build a deck around Ondo. That seems fun. The, the only note I have for this guy is that the reward for giving your opponent stuff is appropriate. Yeah, I think the surveil is cool, but the other yeah. half... It's cute to have like this permanence you own trigger, but I think that more could be done to make it match the play style, like you were saying. Yeah, yeah, because you, you will get slaughtered. Yeah, because... <laughs> Because this is not, this isn't, this ability isn't necessary to the card. So -hmm. if you're going to have it on there, make sure it reinforces what the rest of the deck is trying to do. Yeah. I'm wondering if maybe like a more appropriate reward for this kind of effect is like a static sphere of safety. Just because I'm thinking like, it's a shame your commander has to survive an entire round of turns to get you the reward for doing the thing. Whereas some sort of static effect or even like an end of turn trigger would make you feel like, oh, thank God, I'm, I'm getting some value out of doing this instead of like, well, now I just have to wait three turns for demonic pack to really percolate. <laughs> to steep to perfection. Yeah. It's cool to see people play around in this space mm-hmm. because this is space that has fans and this is something that the fans, I feel like, deserve a little bit better than what they've gotten. Maybe there's hope that one day someone in R&D will realize the mistake that Zedru was. Yeah. 
or maybe they just see that like Zedru puts up pretty good numbers on EDH rec in terms of the popularity of the deck. Mm-hmm. And maybe they just see like, well, it's popular, so we don't need to go back to the drawing board or anything. And not really seeing the actual experience of playing that deck is miserable and frustrating. Yeah. I think that the number of decks on EDH rec probably isn't representative of the commander metagame in terms of the number of Zedru decks out there. Because mm-hmm. I think many, many people have tried Zedru. Yeah. But yeah. I don't think many of them have stuck with it. But yeah, definitely. I, I, this is something that I hope they change in R&D, is this attitude to, like, one and done. Or, like, we did this, we're good, we're moving on. I do hope that we get commanders in commander sets in particular that are, like, a thing we've done before but tuned to commander. Mm-hmm. That would make me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's make this thing we've done before, like, applicable to commander. There's definitely a finite amount of design space, and there are many archetypes that, like, almost got there with a commander, but need a little bit more help. And, mm-hmm. like, they have to put out a commander product every year, so I hope they're willing to revisit the well yeah. and tune some of these ideas. Yeah, just kind of tweak them so that you actually can have fun. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> so we've got a couple more designs here. This one is from Finn Lavich. It is Mardia, Priest of Adanto. Two white black for a legendary vampire cleric. It's a 1-5, and it has a couple of abilities, so, so bear with me here. Players can't gain life. Players with 30 life or less can't cast more than one spell each turn. Players with 20 life or less can't search libraries. Players with 10 life or less can't draw more than one card each turn. There's a lot going on with this card. Yeah. <laughs> I think like what the playstyle would look like would be in the early turns of the game, you're trying to buff your life total as high as possible. Then you cast your commander, and then you're like really focusing on trying to get other people's low while keeping yourself above these thresholds. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe that would mean like pillow fort. Definitely like a solitary confinement would be in this deck for sure. Mm-hmm. And then like your opponents as their life total drops it's just harder and harder for them to play the game yeah i I do like this design from the eyes of like an orzov commander because a we need more orzov commanders that are good Mm -hmm. that's the first thing b this plays into like the orzov playstyle so well Mm-hmm. Like in such a cool way, like that where like the penalty gets more and more severe as the game like creeps forward as you like keep moving them closer and closer to death, like that feels very Orzov and like drainy and white black, and that's really cool. As the game progresses more and more towards death, you're going to slowly push your advantage further and further ahead. Mm -hmm. I think it's very interesting design space. Caring about life totals in this way is not something that normally happens, because in most games of Magic, it doesn't really matter whether you're at 20 or 1. Just having any life at all is the same, kind of regardless of how much you have. So playing with these cut points is, is pretty interesting. I'm not... 100% sure that these restrictions are exactly what you want them to be. I'm just, they might not affect all players equally. Yeah, I would switch the 20 and 30 life to start Mm -hmm. is the first one because especially at the beginning of the game is when, like, the beginning and the end of the game are when people are going to tutor the most. Yeah. Because they're going to be ramping and at the end of the game they're going to be finding their combo pieces or they're getting their crater hoof or whatever, tooth and nail. So I think that one being the 30 life restriction would be a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And then can't cast more than one spell each turn. 
like there are decks uh mono green omnath is a good example mm-hmm. where you more or less like only are casting one thing a turn anyway yeah like you're just like omnath hit you big thing omnath hit you big thing but, or or increase my mana increase my rate some, something like that so that kind of deck isn't really hosed by that being at 20 life the players with 30 life or less can't cast more than one spell each turn that ability matters a lot less in the early game yeah exactly like if you only got like four or five mana how many spells are you really going to be casting yeah. in a single turn it's like once you get to the mid late game when you have way more mana that's when like you're really going to start to feel the effects of this rule of law definitely yeah i definitely agree with that i guess that's kind of the point i'm trying to make is that if you switch those two payoffs mm-hmm. then you hose the players who are going to get to the point where they're casting multiple spells a turn Mm -hmm. and right now you are basically rewarding the decks that are only going to play one spell a turn anyway Mm -hmm. because they're gonna cast their ramp spell pass they're gonna cast their big guy pass they're gonna do that that's their play style they're that deck exists and is always gonna be there where if you flip it all of a sudden they're like oh okay like i hit 30 life i can't cast my ranger's path anymore or whatever like i can't do this thing so i can't get to the other thing and then you get them to 20 life and they're like oh crap well now that i have like seven i can't like blow this up and like cruise and grip all of a sudden they get stuck in the web that you're weaving as opposed to the way it is now where they kind of don't care about either of those at the time you want them to care about them i think i've got a note for this card what if it was white red oh yeah that'd be cool because like neither white or red are really able to effectively tutor Red's been getting some stuff in recent years, but historically, Red has not been able to draw cards. And of course, like, Impulsive Draw would get around this restriction, too. Oh, yeah, that's actually really interesting. So I like that White and Red aren't nearly as affected by these abilities as other colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, like, Black black tutors, Black draws a ton of cards. And, and of course, like, Red is way more effective at dealing direct damage to players mm-hmm. than any other and, color and, and red has restrict they've printed a few cards now that punish tutoring that yeah. are red so that's stranglehold. also yeah stranglehold is a staple and that is uh, one of those lines is part of stranglehold right here so yeah. it's in color too like most of the time you're gonna have a tough time like getting players to these super low life totals if you're just in white black mm-hmm. but if you're in red and you've got say like malignus or heartless hit Itsugu, mm-hmm. something like that that just like boom nope now you're in prison yeah I think that would be a design that feels really natural to white-red. That's actually a cool space white-red can play in, is like literally caring about the number of your life. Where life isn't a binary resource anymore, now life actually has meaning mm-hmm. in regards to the the setting that you're on currently. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually a pretty interesting I'm, design space. Yeah, no, like uh, I've, I've said before that Part of the reason that white and red are so bad in Commander is because in terms of like the three main resources of the game, mm-hmm. mana, cards, and life, they both focus really heavily on life. Like white builds it up better than anyone else, and red tears it down better than anyone else. But because life is so worthless in this format, because you start with so much of it, yeah, that's what gives them such a disadvantage. Again, I do like this design. I like this Commander, and I, I like the angles that it kind of would provide for the format so yeah cool good job guys moving on to the next commander we've got stampy developers bane (laughs) so this comes to us from peculiar flavor 
three red red green green for a legendary elephant it's a seven five and when stampy developers bane enters the battlefield each player sacrifices all lands they control then reveals lands from the top of their library until they reveal that many land cards put those onto the battlefield and all other revealed cards on the bottom of their owner's libraries in a random order Stampy also has, whenever a non-basic land goes to the graveyard from anywhere, you may deal one damage to target player. So the more I look at this card, the more I like it. When I first saw it, I was like, okay, that's interesting. And then me and Nick talked about it, I'm like, okay, that's cool. And then that looking at it again, I'm like, this is actually really interesting. Like, I normally a commander has to be very good to be like a seven mana commander that I would want to play with. Mm -hmm. But I think that the fact that this is seven is actually a benefit to it because you give people a chance to get all their non-basics out, mm -hmm. to like do the fetch all their duels or whatever. People are going to have six or seven lands to flow through. Yeah, to flip around. So, And then by the time you cast this guy, you're going to be able to get a ton of landfall triggers, a ton of damage triggers. You're going to really hose people's mana bases really hard. Mm -hmm. I think that's all pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of tech for this commander. Like you said, there's all these landfall triggers you can take advantage of. There's also things that trigger off of lands dying so there's like oh yeah <laughs> titania protector of argoth all your lands are going to the graveyard too so you're going to get a million five threes there's also things like splendid reclamation so you can just get all the lands you sacrificed immediately back yeah it's only you and then there's just ways to really wreck your opponent so there's like Ankh of Mishra, which is whenever a land enters the battlefield, Ankh of Mishra deals two damage to that land's controller. So everyone's taken two damage for each land that they're cycling through in this way. Yeah. <laughs> Dingus Egg is kind of the reverse. Whenever a land is put in a graveyard from the battlefield, Dingus Egg deals two damage to that land's controller. <laughs> so they're taking tons of damage. There's also things like Tunnel Ignis. Whenever a land enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, if that player had another land enter the battlefield under their control each turn, Tunnel Ignis deals three damage to that player. Yeah, everyone remembers Tunnel Ignis, right? Yeah. <laughs> the really ineffective hoser against fetches. Yeah, and Primetime in particular. Yeah. They're like, Primetime's really good. What if we print this mediocre 2-1? Two one. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Oh, and Invader Parasite. This made me laugh really hard. So Invader Parasite has imprint, and when it enters the battlefield, it exiles a land. Then whenever a land with the same name as the exiled card enters the battlefield under an opponent's control, Invader Parasite deals two damage to that player. So if you hit a basic forest, then any opponent who has a forest enter the battlefield under their control takes two damage. Yeah, it's pretty cool, actually. Yeah. I've actually seen this do a lot of work just in general. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot you can do to play around with this card, and that's surprising given that it's just an etb trigger normally i'm not that high on yeah. <laughs> etb trigger commanders because yeah. it's like they do their thing once and then you gotta like you know blink them or bounce them or sacrifice them or something before you can do the thing again it's like with this card the one thing it does is so strong yeah and just like so tumultuous in its effect on the game that it's it's okay. You you really only need to do this once and your opponents are gonna be in shamble. The picture that they picked for this, I don't know where they found it from. It's this elephant walking away from a city in shambles. Yeah. It's perfect. It's so perfect because that is pretty much what happens. You're like you the elephant comes on through has done the deed just destroyed everyone's like happy homes yeah i i'm a big fan of this card i think it leads to a really sweet deck props to you peculiar flavor yeah <laughs> great job 
All right, this card here comes to us from Stormcrow Legend again. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of representation. <laughs> yeah. So this is Salma, Queen of Fangs. It is two black, red, green for a legendary vampire shaman. Salma is a 4-4. Shaman creatures you control have haste and death touch. And tap, put target creature from your graveyard on top of your library. So similar to Geharis, the night tribal commander we, we started with, this design really feels like this person went through all the shamans in Gatherer, figured out what colors yeah, does this sweet. commander want to be, and what is like the most common mechanical theme that I can build around. So if you were to do a gatherer search on shamans, one thing that would come up really frequently is dealing direct damage to creatures. Yeah. And especially like tap abilities that deal damage to yeah, creatures. Yeah, lots of pingers. Yeah, so giving all your shamans haste and death touch makes it so that you're just going to have a deck full of Visara the Dreadfuls. Yeah. Or, or even better, like, with haste. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, things are going to come down, boom, that's dead, boom, that's dead, boom, mm. that's dead. The second ability, the, the put target creature from your graveyard on top of your library, that is a little less clear to me. I think it... Yeah, I think it's just a re- regrowth, that being that it's, like, a black-green, like, they, they just wanted to put some value on it. I think that's a little bit more disjointed. I think the first ability definitely builds into a shaman deck. I think that's a really appropriate reward. This is the kind of card that like a lo- I think a lot of people would look at and be like, "Whoa, that's really strong," but it's actually not because <laughs> you have to fill your deck with a bunch of like middling shamans, like cards that normally you would not be able to play in commander in general. So it's really, like, I would actually say it's a very appropriate reward for a lot of the shamans that do exist here. Like, turning your shamans into card advantage, which is, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. It lets you play with these cards, and it's not totally overpowering your suppressive, like, you just wrap them. So I think that might have been the thought, is, like, being that you're playing all of these creature shamans, like these, these guys, the commander fixes you up after a pretty heinous wrath. But I'm guessing, I don't actually know... It seems like most of the shamans are concentrated in red, Mm -hmm. especially the ones that most synergize with her abilities. Yeah. So I'm I'm wondering if if it was necessary for this commander to be jund colored. Yeah, this that's a totally I think that's valid uh, point to make. So I I get that like with the death touch, it has to be at least either black or green Mm -hmm. just to make sense in terms of color pie but i don't know if it needs to be all three and of course i'm typically tend to advocate for fewer colors whenever possible yeah just so that you don't have to compete between your theme and the good stuff available in three colors worth of cards yeah i think that the second ability which is how i think they're justifying the black on the card being that it's not necessary for the card to function i don't think you really need to force this and keep this black, like you said. I I think that this deck would be a lot more fun if it was green red, just because you it it will literally force you to play with these shamans that it kind of wants you to play with in the first place. That that's kind of where I'm sitting on. I do like that. This is another one of the ones that the more I've looked at it, the more I've liked it. If this existed, people would would do that. I I think. Mm-hmm. Congrats, Stormcrow Legend. My closing thoughts. I encourage any of you listeners who do custom card creation that if you're trying to build commanders and especially create new archetypes, definitely like start with the searches, see what that tells you is possible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Work backwards from there because then you know that you're guaranteed going to be creating a deck that will be supported. 
Yeah, yeah, 100%. Because there's a lot of magic cards in the world. And most of those you can't play with in any format. Mm-hmm. Like, even kitchen table magic. If you're just playing Grizzly Bear, but your friend is playing White Knight, you're not going to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Like, even just there. So, when we're looking at these commanders and the custom commanders, when we're thinking about that kind of design, we want to broaden the format to incorporate as many of those cards as possible. So my last word on that is a lot of times I think the internet will look at a design like Salma or something like that and kind of recoil because they're like, whoa, haste and death touch, that's like a lot. And not think about the subset of cards that are being used. If Salma just gave all of your creatures haste and death touch, that I could understand like for an argument maybe of like why that could be very strong, blah, 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 whatever. The fact that it's shamans you control have haste and death touch, the fact that it's a reward for the specific type of creature, means that you're getting a very strong reward for building in a certain way, mm-hmm. which is necessary to be able to play with these cards that would be bad normally. Mm-hmm. So that's really, really important. I think that like as a designer, you do need to crank the power level, because if you look on a lot of these custom boards, you'll see people complaining about power level, but then they'll print like Doom Whisperer. Yeah. In standard. And you're like, this would have been hated out of any custom board. And yet, like, wizards themselves put this card to print. So I think being aware of how you're using your power level and how it will actually play out is a skill that is really important for designers to have. I want to just build on what you said about power level. Yeah. If something is rewarding you for playing, like, a, a tiny subset of cards, and especially if it's Mm creature-based, and especially if, like, the reward is something that relates to just managing the battlefield, Yeah, it's probably not broken. Like, what you... Yes. Like, what is most likely to break the format is, like, tutoring, Yeah. excessive card draw, mana generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the kind of rewards that you need to be really careful about because just in recent years, Joyra, Weatherlight Captain, (laughs) huge combo commander because it's like unrestricted card draw on this thing that costs you zero mana to do. Yeah, and in that same vein, uh, mana generation and also like uh, cost reduction. Mm -hmm. I think that's very, this is in the same vein of like if you make something too cheap and too efficient to do, you have to be very careful. And then also remember that like, commander is an eternal format you have more or less every card in the history of magic available to you barring the ban list and like anti-cards and blah 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 but when you have sixteen thousand cards to pick from you have to really justify why you would play this card and a subset of cards over just tooth and nail or over just something that's really good exsanguinate like why if i'm playing black would i not just win with sanguinate oh, well, I get to do this fun thing. I get to give them a Lich's Tomb or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, some something like that. So you're not just trying to make something that's fair. You're trying to make something that's fun and something that will be competitive with the things that are in the format. Because, like, look at Animar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Animar is insane. Like, Xur has existed for years and is completely busted. Like, you have to compete with these cards. So, yes, is it possible to go over the line? Totally. Totally, like, you can create something that is just, like, busted straight open, but I think people are too afraid to push that line. And so I want to say, like, please push push it, especially with custom commanders, like, something for fun. Have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> like, look at the subset that you're working with and crank it to 11, and then if you need to, dial it back. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. 
as you said, so many of these cards that you're trying to make viable are just bad on their yes, own. Yeah. And that's and you have to fight against that badness. So you can't be like ultra fair. Like he, this is something that wouldn't even like disrupt a limited environment if yeah. they printed it at rare or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Like you need to to think about. I am competing against this guy with eight tutors and a bunch of like mana rocks that cost thirty plus dollars each. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah. So just like making it so that wolves have death touch isn't going to cut it a lot of the time. Like yeah. some something like that. Like make making it so that creatures have haste isn't going to cut it most of the time. Like that should be trinket text on yeah. your commander. The reason why a lot of the ones that were picked out today were picked out is because they appropriately gauge the power level of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. When we do something like this again, just kind of keep that in mind. Like You are trying to reward a play style or form a play pattern, so do that. Reward it. Make it fun for yourself. Do, do something that really is an interesting line to take. And that's kind of my word of the day today, I guess. <laughs> I hope that this was interesting to everybody. I hope that everyone had a good time looking at this kind of stuff. Because in a perfect world, honestly, a lot of these would just be cards. Yeah. Like, if they just... If, if Stampy was in Ravnica Allegiance, I'd be very happy. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> that, yeah. like, that would be awesome. <laughs> but um, we don't live in that world. So I, I think it's cool to look at this as, like, an exercise in, like what makes a good commander to kind of get some of your feedback in a very, very direct way of like things you all would like to see. I think it keeps us honest and fresh and keeps our minds on what all of you listeners are thinking when you're playing commander as well, mm-hmm. which as people who talk about commander and play a lot of commander, that's very important for us to kind of have a, our, our finger on that kind of pulse. So Please let us know if you like this, if you want to hear more of it. I, I don't know. I had a good time. so Yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed this a lot. We're definitely not going to do these kinds of episodes all the time. Yeah. Because I know there's some people who like are more interested in like the format as it is. Than the hypotheticals. Yeah, yeah, than like the thought experiments. or We're trying to get more angles in these various episodes. Because, of course, we're going to do like review shows when sets come out and stuff like that. Like We're really excited about the cards, too. So we're gonna we want to talk about it. But I think when we have these kind of downtimes like this, like we're we're gonna try and find more lenses to examine the format through. The commander theory view of commander is very future oriented. It has historically been like looking at what is possible with the format, what the format should be like. Sometimes I think that's gonna lead to episodes like this one where it's like kind of disconnected to what cards actually exist yeah kind of looking at like what could be as opposed to what is which yeah i I think that that is actually a worthwhile i mean that's why we're doing it i think it's a worthwhile kind of like thought experiment to go down sometimes to see like okay what why when i see this card they printed should i be mad at this (laughs) (laughs) or vice versa why why is it that i like this thing that they printed Mm mm-hmm and hopefully listening to this will give you some tools for evaluating commanders that Wizards puts out. Yeah, thank you all for listening and for uh, submitting the designs. And again, I just want to emphasize that there were a lot yes. there were a lot of good ones that we just did not have time to get to today because there's more we would love to talk about but just didn't have the room. But yeah, I guess we will talk to you all next time. All right. See you later, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me i am at commander theory on twitter and tumblr if you want to reach zach he is at fat bartleby on twitter and tumblr 
The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check them out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>